0: It started out as a thing where I was trying to connect to my family, right? And yet the greatest connection I made in five years is the connection I've made to myself.
1: As a young mother, I experienced a paradigm shift that transformed how I saw education and ultimately the world around me. I started this podcast, The Luminous Mind, to connect with and learn from people who are disrupting the status quo in how they learn, educate, and live in the world around them. Prepare for a paradigm shift. Light a candle. Light your world.
0: Benjamin Franklin said, instead of cursing the darkness, light a candle. You're listening to The Luminous Mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman.
1: Today's Firestarter is Craig Eborn. He is the founder and CEO of Connect 52, transforming families one engaged question and sharing vulnerable answers at a time. Connect 52 was born from a combination of his diverse personal and professional background. Craig has embraced the Benjamin Franklin quote, nothing ventured, nothing gained, venturing to start a t-shirt company, convenience store, and food magazine. Craig lives life with an entrepreneurial curiosity and a desire to leave the world a better place than he found it he has became a mediator not to mediate divorce but instead to mediate marriages it was his use of this mediation skill set that inspired the creation of connect 52 when he asked what would my life be like if i authentically connected with my family 52 questions and one year later, an empathetic connection was formed from the vulnerability shared answers. His family transformation is creating a revolution in human connection. Craig is also a sought out TEDx speaker and business consultant, connecting companies to their tribe and connecting new authentic company culture. Craig is a partner in a mortgage business, the Olson and Oborn team, connecting realtors to their brand, marketing and clients. As humans, we are all in the people business. Welcome, Craig. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to hear more about how you're transforming families, but before we get into any of that, can you please tell our audience more about yourself?
0: Yeah, uh, my name Craig Oborn, and I live in Salt Lake City, Utah. Pretty much lived here my whole life, other than uh, a couple of years in Guatemala and um, a year back east. Uh, I've been to every state but three. I'm still wow. looking to go to I- Montana, um, North Dakota and Alaska, and then I'll have hit them all. And uh, I spent a couple of years living out in Lake Tahoe, and but currently back here in in Salt Lake City. And uh, come from uh, uh, my parents, we have there's five other siblings, so there's three boys, three girls. We're we're kind of a Brady bunch, but uh, uh, my parents uh, live in St. George, and a majority of my family lives here in, in Utah. And uh, I've got one sister in Colorado. And, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, let's see what else the been married twice, uh, which also means I've been divorced twice <laughs> and, uh, that, that plays, the only reason I bring that up is cause it probably plays into the conversation a little bit. And, uh, but yeah, that's, um, I am in the real estate industry as well and kind of daytime job, I guess, if you will say is uh, that I'm a loan officer and help people with their, their mortgages for their home. But uh, Connect 52 is my passion, and, oh. and it is churning into way more than a full-time job.
1: Oh, that's awesome. Well, it's fun when you can take your passion and make it your full-time job. So, And that's kind of what I want to kind of start off with is, you know, Connect 52, your, I guess, your motto, is that what we would call it? Is transforming families one engaged question and sharing vulnerable answers at a time? You know, how did that message start? What's the inspiration behind that?
0: Well, yeah, thanks for asking. Um, It started about uh, five years ago. Um, I actually was going through my second divorce, and uh, I was at a family reunion in Idaho, and my father asked me, you know, more or less, why why was I doing so well? Um, and I told him that it was because of mediation. I am a mediator, and mediation is uh, – the practice you mean of resol- doing
1: so well, like getting over your divorce or, I mean, yeah. When? Okay. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry. Like why,
0: why was I not, why was I not so devastated or whatever? And so anyway, mediation is this practice of resolving conflict and, and, you know, life is filled with conflict and when you know how to resolve conflict, it, it is a little easier and obviously divorce is conflict, but I, I was resolving that. And, um, so he said, well, will you tell your siblings and, and your mom and I about mediation. And the way I did that is I described, uh, having come from the restaurant background, um, I described a game I play with servers. Sometimes when I go to a restaurant, I'll ask a server, Hey, do you mind playing a game? And, uh, inevitably they'll say, you know, kind of, Hey, old man, I'll do whatever you want for a tip. Uh, I'll say, okay, well, when I tell you the name of the game, you'll know how to play. And the name of the game is tell me your life in 30 seconds. And Inevitably, they tell me some really interesting information. I sometimes have to help them, like, where were you born? And, um, and then I listen for interesting things. And then I ask them maybe one or two more questions. And sure enough, 30 seconds turned into five minutes and they go away and I get the best service that you could get at the restaurant. Wow. And uh, that's like mediation. A mediator cannot ask or excuse me, cannot give advice. They can only ask questions. And allow the parties with the conflict to resolve their own problem. And so I walked away from this meeting, explaining to my siblings what mediation is, and how it works. And I realized I had a conflict in my life. And the conflict was that I was just not connected to my family. Sure, we, you know, we love each other, you know, we were, you know, we get together on the obligatory holidays. And we obviously do family reunions together, but I, I really didn't know them anymore like you do when you're all living together under one roof. And so I, I asked myself, what would my life be like if I were connected to my family? And the second question was, is could I use mediation to resolve this conflict? Could I ask questions that would allow us to connect? And uh, so, get home. I I was living back East at the time. I get home and I write all my siblings and my parents an email and I basically more or less announce that, well, you know, this is where we stand. It's fine. We're, we're, we're family. We're, we love each other. We're good. But I probably know some strangers better than I know some of you. And it's not, this isn't a complaint as much as it's just social media has made it so that I know you went on a vacation, but I really just don't know you anymore. And so I said, let's play a game. Let's play Tell Me Your Life in 30 seconds, but on a much longer version. And I said, I'm committed to asking one question a week for a year, and I would just love it if you would all answer the same question so that maybe we can gain perspective into each other's lives and maybe even possibly by the end of this become friends. And so that was it. That's where it all began.
1: Wow. That's pretty amazing. Well, I'd love to hear. Let's talk about the challenges that you had along the way. You talked about, you know, getting divorced twice. I mean, was that kind of what played into, you know, wanting to have better relationships, or you know, kind of give us the background to where you feel like, you know, this desire to want to be close to your family came from?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I think having been divorced uh, and and just seeing relationships. I mean, let's face it, uh, div- uh, marriage is a is a is a thing that people get really excited about, but it's a, it's a, it's a thing that's failing right now. I mean, we're not doing very well at it. Um, the divorce rate is, you know, somewhere in the 50 percentile and, but, and then I'm, and I'm looking at our relationships out there in the world and realizing, okay, we're, we're connecting using social media, but we're not, it's not a really deep connection. And I, I, that's my passion. I mean, it always has been, you know, I've always been a kind of a one-on-one type of a person. I'm not afraid of a party or a big crowd, but boy, I sure like to to single somebody out and go connect with them. And so, I, I just the more and more I kind of delved into it, I just realized there was a demand. I mean, just this morning, I, I heard that on the news that there's another school shooting in Texas. And, and so all these questions of mine are coming up as to what is our biggest, what's our problem? What's the underlying problem to all of these things? And it just kind of kept coming back that it's connection. Um, we're, we're super busy. We're doing a million things. I mean, um, you just mentioned that you, you really want to be connected to your children this summer. And um, and I think that's awesome. I think that uh, we should really focus, uh, or, or put an emphasis on a, a deep, authentic connection with the people we love most. Cause it, it's, it's not guaranteed forever. Yeah. So yeah, one of the big incidents, and I mean, this happened after connect 52 got started, but, um, my brother's wife, uh, my sister-in-law, Cami, uh, she actually at that same area in Idaho at that same family reunion year, a couple of years later, she drowned and died. And wow. We ended up creating a, you know, that was the moment when I realized for sure that my life is not guaranteed more than the next few minutes. And uh, I just, I don't know, Uh, I wanted to be more connected than I was to the people that were important to me in my life.
1: Well, and I really feel like, I mean, maybe go through a A process through your life where you're finally like kind of back at that where connections and those relationships mean more you know you're not off getting things but I do see a lot of people really interested in the connections no matter what their age is anymore and I like you said you mentioned the school shootings and stuff like that I think a lot of it does come from the fact that we don't feel like people see us you know that that we're there I mean that's what like whenever I somebody smiles back at me I'm like I'm almost shocked because so many people People are just kind of stuck in this. They have just tunnel vision, you know. And there's, there's really not a lot of connection like out on the street. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean it's we're just true. yeah, we're just kind of stuck in our thing. And I, I wonder too if that creates a lot of this uh, really trapped feeling that maybe you know school shootings and depression and all of those things can create. But I'd love to hear maybe some challenges that you had along the way and what you felt like you learned from them, you know, maybe something that you failed at that you feel like has helped you be successful in the end.
0: Well, I think my my life in general has been, you know, a a great story, like a tragic comedy, actually, (laughs) of of failures, you know, whether they're, uh, you know, I don't necessarily consider my marriages and or divorces failures, but uh uh, you know, I've, I've been an entrepreneur, I've tried lots of things. And when I started connect 52, I now have learned. So going back, looking, looking backwards, I can say, okay, there's been some, what some people would consider failure. So I have a brother of mine, Tom, um, and he has never once answered a, a connect 52 question, something we've been doing for five years.
1: Wow.
0: And, You'd, you'd kind of think that's a failure, but it, he I know that he reads a lot of the answers, and I know that he's engaged, and in fact, he's one of my biggest like fans. I mean he tells everyone about it, and what it taught me is that in our society today, we tend to invite somebody to do something once, and if they don't do it we we're done. We give up. I have chosen to invite my little brother to participate in lots of different ways because what I realize is that it's 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 on me my invitation didn't resonate with him the way I invited him and so I had to come up with a different way of inviting him and I will continue to come up with different ways because I want him to know that it's it that he not it connect 52 isn't important he is important and so I have chosen to never stop inviting him to participate in my life and so, um, and then the other thing that I've learned is I really committed to this. Um, I've helped other families. I've helped other people try and do connect 52 for their family. And it's not always easy. You don't get that result that you always want. So, I mean, the idea, I mean, if you listen to my story and you think, Oh my gosh, you know, what an amazing story He connected with his family, like Kumbaya, that's so great. Mm-hmm. But what you have to realize is it's not it wasn't always easy and not everyone always participated and but I said at the very beginning I was I was committed and I I said that I was going to ask 52 questions one a week and if no one answered I I was going to answer every single one of them because one of the objectives I had was for my siblings to know me and to understand me and to gain empathy or to gain Uh, understanding as to who I was in the world or who I am in the world. Those are the things where I, I I tend to, I feature those whenever I speak, uh, whether I TEDx or whether I do an event Um, you know, number one, number one way and number one thing you have to do in order to connect with somebody on an authentic vulnerable level is you have to invite them to do so. And, and that's number one. Number two is, 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 engage or um, Create a new possibility and that comes from mediation is I needed to tell my family like hey We're fine just the way we are but I want to I want to Try and get you to think of a new possibility of us being friends of us being like People who love to get together and then but number three is commit uh, Really commit to this new possibility that you want to see and, and take it personally it's it's not the group's responsibility. It's not my parents' responsibility or my siblings' responsibility to make this connection happen. It's mine. And boy, when I took ownership of it, it made all the difference in the world.
1: Wow. Well, and family relationships can be kind of messy. You know, they can be there's just sometimes there's a lot of drama and there's like you said the I love the idea that you had to keep, which is a total success, I feel like. Um, but you had to keep inviting, maybe changing the invitation so that it was appealing to the people that you were talking about or talking to, you know, trying to get involved. And I really feel like uh, at least I've heard a lot of people, well, I've tried this and it never worked. And so, you know, they do shut it down. There's no like they don't continue to use that failure of, OK, well, that didn't work. But so let's try something, you know, let's try this instead. Yeah. Uh, do you have anything to add to that or?
0: Yeah. You know, there's a there's a great uh, story that I talk about. Uh, Van Phillips uh, is an individual who lost his leg and he asked these three cre- questions repeatedly. Why, what if and how? And ultimately, you know, he, he was this was back in the day when his when the prosthetics were more or less just a, a plastic looking leg You know and he the doctors and his family said hey you got to just get used to this leg and he he asked the the question why why do i why does a leg need to look like a leg so the what if question was what if a leg could function better if it didn't look like a leg and then the how was how am i going to keep going when it doesn't work when when my first prototype doesn't work well Anyway, Van Phillips is the ultimate creator of the blade, the the leg that runs in the Olympics, uh, the oh, leg that has been to the top of Everest, and and I really u- I utilize that as uh, motivation to just keep asking questions, the why, what if, and how, you know, what if I do this, will things work better? Um, and you know, with my with my family, I mean, you you brought it up, families are are difficult and. A friend of mine once told me, he said, Craig, you need to let everyone know that your family is not, it wasn't kumbaya. And, and I'm, my family is just about as, you know, ordinary, if you will, as any other family. We've got our, our relationships and we've got our struggles and we've got, you know, it, it's, 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 it's as unique as anyone's family. There's an author of a, an amazing book called Empathy and his name is Roman Krishnirich. And Roman uh created this opportunity with a team of his where they 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 created a shoebox, a giant shoebox that you could walk into. And when you walked into this shoebox, you would tell them the size of shoes you wear, and they would bring you a shoebox, and it had a pair of shoes in it and some headphones. And the shoes could be stiletto heels, they could be work boots, they could be whatever. And you would put those shoes on and you'd put the headphones on and you'd go on a mile long walk and you were listening to the person's story of whose shoes those belong to. And that's what connect 52 is. I have gone on a very empathic journey with my family and I've gotten to know who they are and why they are. And when you do that, you can't help but love somebody. When you walk in somebody else's shoes, quite literally or in this way of one question at a time, and I think my siblings got to know me. Um, you know, most of my family belongs to the LDS faith. I, I do not. Uh, and yet, in the end of it, I think we learned a lot about one another. And we gained understanding and definitely gained empathy and it, it, the, the, the gap between us diminished tremendously, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, in the empathy, too, I mean, we see this in everything, in politics and religion and all of those things. I think when we come at something with an empathetic attitude instead of accusatory attitude, that maybe um, that transformation could be different. I'd love to hear maybe more about the, the questions. You know, your tagline is transforming families, one engaged question and sharing a vulnerable answer at a time. I mean, where did you get the questions and how did you know that these would work? And I mean, did you have to keep failing, I guess, trying something different to find the, the right 52?
0: That's funny. Um, well, obviously, there ended up being a heck of a lot more than 52 um, as we just The the year ended. The first year ended, and we just kept going because of uh, what we were getting out of it. And and this is the most common question asked of me. And and yes, um, here very shortly, uh, there is a software that is being launched, an app in which people can uh, download it, and questions are provided in a myriad of different ways. But um, but really the truth of it is back then, what I was doing is, is just taking an event in my life. Typically something that happened in my life, I just turned it into a question. Um, and, or, you know, sometimes we would use, uh, tools such as, uh, one, one question was, um, what are your love languages? And so, you, you know, I put a hyperlink in, in the question so that they could go take the, the love languages test, and then they posted the results. And it was just fun to really look at how we were all similar and or different as far as our love languages were concerned. Um, The very first question that launched the whole thing was, uh, I wrote, inspired by David Letterman, what are the top 10 highlights of your life? And I love this question because I knew that most of my siblings were going to have Marriage and kids is two or three of the hot, top hot, top highlights of their life. But I was surprised with every single one of their answers. There was things that I didn't know about them. I mean, how, how basic of a question is that?
1: Yeah.
0: Um, there, there was other questions like I, I talk about this in my TEDx. I mean, this question that was launched years mm-hmm. into it by my sister-in-law. She, she asked the question, what was your favorite toy growing up as a kid? And quite honestly, when she uh when she sent that question out, I was disappointed. I thought, wow, this question is of no value to anyone and it's no value to us connecting. And uh I tell the story that I sat down because I started this thing, I thought, well, I gotta answer it anyway. And so I sat down and I started writing at the computer that man, I love the I love the sandbox and I loved the, these Legos called constructs. And every time I would write one thing down, I'd be like, I loved it because I was playing with my little brother, Tom, while doing it. And I wrote on and on and on for paragraphs. And then I got to the end of it. And I said, I guess my favorite toy growing up in the whole world was my little brother, Tom. And he's the same brother that hasn't answered any of these questions. But I realized in that moment, how valuable my relationship to him had been. And I started asking questions as to why it wasn't as valuable now. And what could I do differently? And um, but my favorite question of all time, uh, and I mention this all the time to people, is I love to ask this question, and that is, is what is it like to be you? And if. Because I don't think we, we go around asking, what do you do? You know, oh, well, I do this for a living or I do that for a living, but. What is it like to be you? It's a really, really vulnerable question. It usually stirs up a lot of emotion in people because what I do know about all human beings. So I could probably answer the question and not I don't need to ask it. I could probably answer it for everyone. What's it like to be everyone? Well, it's really hard. It's got it's it's really fun. And it's got some highlights and it's got some low lights and it's got some real hardships and it's got some tragedy and it's got some really cool successes. But if if somebody if you give the opportunity for somebody to answer that question honestly, uh, it, it can be life changing.
1: Well, and do you feel like there are questions that, I mean, we just mentioned a few that you like that you feel like are important. Do you feel like there are common struggles that people have in their family relations and how do these particular questions help them? Does that make sense? Like,
0: Yes, it does. Okay. No. In fact, you mentioned it earlier. Um, you mentioned something to the effect of being seen. And I think the these school shootings and What's going on in our personal lives and in our family lives is that we're not being seen. Um, you putting a picture up of what you and your family did on social media, that, that doesn't mean I know you. And re- it's not about being seen physically with the eyes. It's about being seen on an emotional level or being seen on a, uh, on a level where it's like, you get me. And, or that you know, you're
1: valued. You know, people. Yeah. yeah.
0: You know the, the the real tragedy is is I mean these school shootings happen and and I'm not trying to be political here in any way shape or form. This is just Craig Oborn's crazy opinion. Um, but I, I, my heart definitely goes out to these individuals who perform these acts because I think about the I th- I, I, I struggle with how little they were probably seen um, and how little anyone knew about them and and that shaped their view of the world. And um, and I'm seeing it more and more. I mean, obviously we're, we're having a, a huge epidemic in, in Utah. I think it's nationwide, but I think it's increased here in Utah of suicide. Um, you know, we have these mobile devices where our heads are buried in them, our, our lives are buried in computers, whether that's with our work or whatever. And so, I mean, go back to the original. I, I mean, this would be the fun experiment for anyone just to try. Next time you go to a restaurant, play my game. Just say, you know, hey, do you have, do you have just 30 seconds? Yeah, I've got 30 seconds. Okay. Tell me your life in 30 seconds. Think about it. A, a server typically doesn't even you know, they're, they're faceless human beings to us, you know, go get me my water, go get me my soda, go get me my food, bring it back. I don't even bother to get my head usually out of the phone in order to communicate with them. And this is a human
1: being. Yeah.
0: And, and I just think that there is an opportunity out there for us to ask questions, listen to the answers. And when, when, when you I, I mean, when I, as a mediator, it was really funny. The the professor on my, our very first day said, look, your, your opinion is of no value, which, man, that was really hard for most of us to take. And I just realized over time that it was, you know, the value I have in life is to ask somebody a question and listen. And I, I boy, for a guy who's been divorced twice, I can tell you that, that thing when, When a, when, when your wife or when your girlfriend or when someone, when a woman tells a man, you're not listening. Well, that's not true. We are, we heard you, but you don't feel heard. Yeah. And it's a feeling. It's not. It, it's something completely different.
1: Yeah. Well, and I feel like in families, too, um, I've seen families misjudge each other a lot. You know, there's a lot of sarcasm. There's a lot. I mean, we're not we may be seen, but not seen in the way that we want to be seen. And maybe those questions and especially if you feel like there's some empathy there, that you do feel like being vulnerable. And you know that that you know, the being seen in the light that we don't want to be seen isn't going to be you know it's it's not going to repeat itself does that make sense like we'd like to tease each other and yeah
0: <laughs> and you know and this is and this is I'll bring this up right now this is a great spot for why i think technology is still just so cool because a lot of people are out there right now blaming facebook and blaming social media for why all this is happening and and i like to talk to people about this and say But we are the creators of social media. Facebook didn't like they don't they don't just go create something and say, well, this is the way it is. Basically, they say, well, what do human beings like? And we'll just make it possible. And so apparently we have become so used to or we like only giving 17 word answers and leaving heart symbols versus, you know, versus really connecting. And so but the point of all this is that what I discovered in doing Connect 52 is that social media really worked for us, especially family, because you go have a conversation with somebody face to face and it can sometimes be confrontational, correct? Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, and in fact, sometimes we just avoid having the conversation altogether for fear of it being confrontational. But we were never confrontational, at least in my family, and we never got confrontational, but what I was able to do, because I was sitting behind a computer screen answering the question is, man, I'm typing away, typing away, typing away, getting really vulnerable, saying lots of things I wouldn't necessarily just say at the dinner room table, and then, boom, I'm hitting enter, and it's like, whoa, what did I just send? <laughs> and because I wasn't communicating with them directly, maybe I was willing to be more vulnerable, but then what would happen? What some of the success was, is that we'd get together at the next fam, you know, we'd get to together at Thanksgiving and all of a sudden we were having conversations, continued conversations about certain questions like, oh man, I really liked how you answered that question. Like, oh, I forgot about that story and see what connect 52 is at the end of the day is I now have five years worth of data on my family. So if you want to talk about ancestry.com on crack, <laughs> like, people who are alive is because every question asked when you answer it you're answering it with a story from your past a story from the present or a story that you want to see happen in your future it is literally like this family diary I mean a hundred years from now I hope no one's bored enough to care about my my story but if they are there is a place and they can go and see five years worth of questions and answers
1: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, and like I said, the connectability to that, too, I mean, it's just an amazing thing. The longer you're kind of away from your siblings, I mean, they become more cherished, but at the same time, you become, you know, you get busy with your own families and all of that. And I just see that that could be such a huge help for your life. But I'd love to hear your paradigm change. You know how I mean, you said you have five years of this what's happened during that five years and how has that thought process changed over time and with experience?
0: You know, great question. And the greatest goes
1: to the failure thing, right? (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, the, the greatest thing that's probably happened in the five years is, again, not what I had planned on. I mean, one, I had only planned on doing this for a year. I'd planned on this being kind of just a fun little experiment. I wasn't planning on turning it into a business, but obviously people started finding out, see friends and family started finding about what I was doing and how it was working. And and then they wanted to do it as well. And so then I thought, well, I need to really, in order to be able to help a lot of people, I need to make this, um, replicatable or whatever. And so, but you know, what's interesting. And I, I do tell people this, um, it started out as a thing where I was trying to connect to my family, right? And yet, the greatest connection I made in five years is the connection I've made to myself. Wow. Uh, I had no idea that was going to be the case. Um, but as I said earlier, every question that's asked, you're answering it for you. And what I realize is we don't ask ourselves very many questions, and then and, and if we do we don't take the time to write it down. So I am creating, I'm in the process of creating also a journal. I mean, that's what connect 52 is in a way is it's a journal, but, um, you know, like if you asked yourself, what's it like to be me? And you wrote that down. You just don't probably realize right now how valuable that information is. And so five years later, I can honestly tell you that I know myself. I am in tune or I'm in touch with who I am more than I ever was before.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love and, that. Yeah.
0: And so, yes. I believe that if I were to go around trying to speak to people or if I were trying to say, hey, I've got this really cool tool for you to connect to yourself, people would be like, eh, I'm not that interested. I've got, you know, I've got kids, I've got a spouse, I've got a job, I've got all these things to do. And you're asking me to connect to who I am. No, thank you. But when I disguise the when I disguise it in the form of, hey, would you like to connect with other people, which most people do, then it's they, they do this. But what's so awesome is. A lot of times they don't realize, but they're really actually connecting to who they are in the world and mm-hmm. what they want and what they mean and what's important to them. And, uh, you know, going on, going back on the one of the way, way, way before Connect 52, I was going through my first divorce and I'm driving down the road. Uh, my my first wife, her name's Mary Beth, great friend of mine. Uh, one of my true success success stories in life is that she asked me to perform uh, her wedding when the, she asked me to perform her wedding ceremony to when she got married to the, her next husband. And uh, but when we were getting a divorce, um, I was driving down the road one day and I asked the question, Why do I? love someone who clearly doesn't love me that way anymore, instead of it being just a question that went out into the earth, you know, went out into the atmosphere and wasn't answered. I answered it. And I said, and it came to me so fast. And it was like, it was life changing. I was like, I must not have very good self esteem. Why? Why would I love somebody who doesn't love me that way anymore? And I I wasn't trying to make her wrong or bad or anything. I was just saying, Hey, clearly I'm lo- I'm loving or trying to desperately hold on to this love for somebody that doesn't feel that way for me anymore. And and the only answer that I got was, wow, you need to really love yourself.
1: Yeah, something's so, broken inside that you're some, like, everybody bro- needs to love me. You know, type of, right. You know. and,
0: and it was but because I answered it, I was able to go on a journey of really starting to love myself. And so I can't tell you how much I, I think the value of questions, but answers, answers to those questions. It's, um, it's a really fun life journey. I mean, talk about, you know, we, we, earlier we talked about walking in somebody else's shoes, uh, try just walking in your own for a little while, but consciously Mm
1: -hmm. walking
0: in your own shoes. What's it like to be you?
1: Yeah. I, one of my later questions that I was going to, you know, bring up down the road was how this fits with educating oneself. And I really feel like that's where we're really disconnected in our lives. Of we have gotten so used to being everybody else's something that we don't even know what we want. And a lot of times we end up being 40, 45, whatever, and we're not very happy. You know what I mean? We're not fun to be yeah. around. We're not the person who, We thought we would be type of thing. And I think it's because we learn to shut off what's going on inside of us. And like you said, most people, when you ask them the question, they would just like what I'm with myself all the time. I know who I am. But really, until they ask those questions, they don't know who they are. And then that comes out in other ways. Right. Like like you having to be loved by somebody that doesn't love you, you know, type of thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean the funny thing about journaling is I've never been a really good journal person because I, I, the thought of it is like, okay, I write the date at the top of the page and I start describing, you know, Hey, today was an awesome day. I I got to uh, be on this amazing podcast and I got to connect with, uh, with you. And so I would write all this down. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: and so, and then I would do that day in and day out. And it just, it's, kind of actually sounds a little boring to me anyway to just kind of make notes of the day's activities. But if I write at the top of a page, um, like this was one of the questions, um, my sister and I, I was with my littlest sister who I became best friends with because of all of this. And, uh, we were driving down the road one day and there was clearly an accident And there, once we were able to pass, there was a white sheet over obviously a body, somebody who had died in this car accident. And so the question that week became, what would you be so mad? Like if you were under that white sheet, what would you be so mad about that you didn't get done and get accomplished in life? And, and obviously my answer was very obvious. I mean, my answer was that if I were under that sheet and had not yet got connect 52 out to the world, I would be devastated. And and that just made me realize what was most important to me in my life. Oh, and so, but that's, that doesn't come out necessarily in a journal every day of like, let me tell you the highlight, you know, let me tell you the highlights of the day. And so I really like this intentional journey. I mean, connect 52 is just intentional journaling, if you will. It's um, asking someone. And and one thing, I mean, you'll probably love this, uh, obviously being married and having a family. One thing that we discovered is that the closer you are to somebody, um, the oftentimes the, the, the more you don't see the subtle changes that happen in their life. So my little sister, uh, Melanie, her and her husband actually use Connect 52, but just between the two of them. And they'll they'll take turns asking a question each week. And so um, she'll ask a question one week and he'll ask the question the next week. And then they write down their answers. And then when they go out on their date night, they they share their answers with each other. And um, they discovered that, Quite literally, so much had changed over 12 years. They'd been married for 12 years, and and lots of things have changed. They had changed. Their opinions had changed. I mean, they're not even the same person they once were when they got married. And yet now there's this opportunity through just a simple question a week to discover who they are now.
1: That's awesome. Well, I'd love to hear. I mean, you were talking about how you, <laughs> you were under that sheet that you would be really disappointed if Connect 52 didn't get out. But so I'd love to hear about your website. And I mean, you talked about there's going to be an app and stuff like that. But what do you feel like maybe your three key points of what people can find and learn there?
0: So right now, if you were to go to um, connect52.com, it's, it's mostly been a, a blog site in which I and a few other people have have written articles about human connection and there is some fun and interesting content there. Um, The Facebook page and Instagram page are filled. Uh, One day I, I was going through my Facebook page, just literally scrolling through the history and realized that over five years of time, I've created one of the greatest libraries, if you will, one of the greatest libraries of content on human connection that exists. As I have searched day in and day out for articles and content and videos about how do we connect. And and there's just fascinating content on there. But ultimately, the goal has always been, um, you know, speaking of failures, the goal has always been to create a software that would allow this opportunity that I had in my life uh, for other people to have it. And that is about to launch. We are the software, the app and, and software is, is ready to launch. Um, we are just about there. And so that's coming out and that will make this process that I've been describing very easy for, for everyone to do. But, you know, I moved to Tahoe, uh, four years ago to build this software and ran out of two years later, I ran out of money and it wasn't done. And, so I came back to Salt Lake and, and started a job in the real estate industry. And I thought, well, I'm putting Connect 52 on the shelf. And as soon as I raise enough money or make enough money, I'll, I'll, I'll pay for it to get done. And, and then people in the real estate industry started finding out about it and said, hey, will you speak? Will you tell we need this? We need to get connected to our clients. We need to get connected as a team. We need to get connected as a company. And so all of a sudden, within a matter of months, literally, Connect Fifty Two had a greater life than it had had in years. Because, again, everyone needs it. Everyone is like we are. I, I believe our society, as a as a humanity, as an entire world, most of us are experiencing. We're starving for connection.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And this is this is this is food. This is water for those who are dehydrated from not having real connection in their life, this stands, this is, this is water.
1: That's awesome. Well, and I'd love to hear maybe some feedback that you've received about your message. You know, how do you feel like it's helping, you've mentored people, stuff like that. How is it helping people to be successful and maybe some of your talks and stuff like that too?
0: Yeah. The, the, one of the funnest things, uh success stories I've had recently is after speaking at TEDx in Idaho Falls, um, a, a teacher uh, of a ninth grade class of AP English students asked me to come and speak uh, about TEDx uh, or, or kind of give them because she does a, a cool little project in her class where every year they have to give like a three minute little TEDx. And um, and so I went and spoke to him and I and basically I told him about Connect 52. And, oh, man, the, the these kids right now are they're they're so brilliant. I mean, they, they know what's wrong. They know what's going on and, and and they don't necessarily know how to fix it. But when I when we started talking about Connect 52, they were just like they were just open and vulnerable and honest, like we we, we don't. We're not connecting with one another. We're not vulnerable with one another. We're we're basically lying to each other as to who we are because we all wanna have this Facebook fake life that we portray to each other. And so in the last forty days, fifty days since I went and spoke at that school, Connect fifty two has completely changed. What I was once going to be charging $52, uh, for someone to get the app and use it with their family. Um, it's now going to be free because I, I didn't, I, I always thought it was kind of like a serious thing. I thought it was like, Oh, parents will use it and, and adults will use it. And, and I, I never thought it was like for kids or for young adults. And when I found out how they all wrote me thank you notes for coming and, and so many of them said I can't wait for your app to come out I want it and it was in that moment that I realized that I had to do it give it away for free because it just these kids well all of us again it goes back to that I think we're just all starving for connection right now and an authentic connection and um, and so that that was just that was such A tremendous, I mean, that wasn't even them using it yet, but that was just such a success for me of hearing these kids say, yes, we would love to, we would love to do this thing. We, we want this. And so, um, I, I, we've, we've put it into some businesses. I mean, where, you know, companies are looking for, they're suffering from this as well. You know, there's some companies are large, especially the larger the company, the more you probably suffer from a lack of connection. Um, I could probably be working at a very large company and no one knows my name or no one knows I exist. No one definitely knows my struggles in life. And so, you know, imagine putting connect 52 into a company and from a, maybe trying to change the culture and asking some questions either through, you know, your HR department or through a culture, somebody who's in charge of culture and, you know, it, you could you can change um, the culture of a company this way by asking questions, listening to those answers, and making subtle changes um, and listening to what those employees have to say. And so th- there's just a tremendous amount of opportunities. Ultimately, I want to give this um, software to some nonprofit organizations in the suicide uh, area because... I think there's an opportunity to talk about suicide and have conversations. It's a a subject matter that we, the only time we talk about it is if we're talking about prevention. But what if we talked about it? And I think that there's there's just tremendous opportunities out there. And it is is so exciting where this is going and, and what it can do. But, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, we all come from a family. And if I if we can make a difference in families, I think we can make a difference in the world. And and I think we are. A, I mean, we have our immediate family. We have our family in our community, or in our church, or at our work. We have you know a, a global family. And uh, I, I just my heartfelt invitation to everyone is to go out there in your community, go out there in your family and ask questions and take the time to listen to those answers. Um, And and because I think we can, I think we can create change if we will, if we'll go walk a mile in somebody else's shoes.
1: Yeah. When I, I was preparing for this, uh, Interview I was thinking about how um, a lot of us have not been taught very well how to connect I mean my family was the you know lots of silence and then when something bothered us There's just this explosion and this drama and whatever, but I have noticed there is this huge crave um, And and you mentioned it in companies. It's needed it actually uh, You know we've talked about this several times on this podcast that all of the computers that can respond back to us um, That will be the one thing that they won't have is that, that understanding, that connection, the vulnerability. I mean, and, and we live in that world, you know, now of, I mean, I don't remember too many people committing suicide when I was young, but it is an epidemic now. And a lot of it is that crave for connection that you can't get through any other means. But being real vulnerable, asking these questions, and giving really authentic answers to letting people see who you really are, or hearing who somebody else really is, you know, so that we have the empathy. I think you're right. (laughs) That it's, you know, it's needed in our world for sure. So
0: yeah, I mean, just because you brought it up, I mean, I'll give an example of what I'm talking about in in maybe the suicide world that, that we were just discussing is, is Uh, My little brother, the one who who I've mentioned several times, um, you know, he he struggles with depression. And um, so one day I went to him and I said, Tom, I've always assumed that you that I would get a phone call at some point in time in my life. And somebody would inform me that you've killed yourself. Um, And he, he acknowledged it. He just said, yeah, you're right and very honestly and vulnerably he admitted that it might still even be a possibility. Scary. Scary. I said, yeah, I suspected that was true. I said, well, here's what I know about suicide is that, um, it's shameful and people go and hide when they do it. And I said, I'd like to talk to you about maybe a different plan because if you ever do decide that that is what you're going to do, I'd, I'd love a, a phone call and I'd love to give me a chance to maybe talk you out of it for a second. But if ultimately you're going to do it, um, I, I want to be there for you because I don't want you to go out of this world thinking that no one cares and no one loves you cause that isn't true. But I also understand that this world isn't necessarily a very nice place to everyone. And, um, my brother sat there, I think in the end think, and he he said so. He said, wow, that's kind of one of the nicest things anyone's ever said to me. And I just said, well, I don't know why we can't have these conversations. I don't know why we can't just uh, open up and, and admit that we we recognize that people are struggling. And I think we're too afraid to, oftentimes to go up to somebody and say, I think you're struggling. And what, you know, maybe what can I do or... Can I just sit with you in your struggle for a minute and acknowledge it, and and not try and fix it? <laughs> speaking of, <laughs> speaking of being a guy and always wanting to fix everyone's problems, but no. Um, anyway, it was just it, it wasn't a it wasn't a conversation. Had I gone up to my brother and said, "Hey, I read this article, and there here's the top ten ways of of not you know of prevention," I don't know. I don't know that that would have been i think that would have caused more shame yeah. and more hiding and instead we just brought it up to the top of the table and and talked about it my father was sitting right there with us and we just had a great conversation about it and that's all it was
1: wow and like you said i mean so i mean just a different way to approach it uh, makes all the difference like I feel like we're in that whole fake it till we make it. And so, like you said, the vulnerability, being able to talk about it, I mean, you'd bring it up in a different way of like, you know, kind of less personal, I guess. And maybe you wouldn't have the response. I'd love to hear maybe, I mean, we've already talked about, you know, asking people questions and really listening for it. Do you feel like there are other habits in our personal life that help us be successful in our relationships with other people?
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I I do. I think it's a it's boy, it's getting one on one, you know, in the business world. Um, say, for example, like real estate agents, I think, well, your podcast, uh, you know, it, it could be seen. So 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 many people right now, we look at numbers as success. We say,
1: yeah.
0: oh, I have so many people following me on social media or so many people following me on on you know, my podcast or I, I, I have so many, um, clients and, you know, I, I was, I was looking at, um, Oh, this, the, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Have you ever heard of this? There's a game, but anyway, there's this thing out there that says every actor that's ever been or ever will be is six degrees away from Kevin Bacon. Um, and, And, you know, the funny thing is, is I really look at, at quality over quantity. I, the question, say, say, for example, in the podcast world, could you have 500 people intimately and actively following your podcast? And wouldn't that be better than having a number of 20,000 and only a few of them do anything about it?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah.
0: And so I look at. I've really looked at my business, I've really looked at my life and said, I need to focus on quality. And so I've asked in the real estate world, I've asked a lot of the real estate agents that I work with to take their past clients out to lunch and just connect with them one-on-one, not about business, not about whatever, but just go care about another human being. And I believe that your business will absolutely flourish. I mean, think about this in in the world of the podcast, I mean, here you are, you more or less give me an opportunity to talk about my business. I now feel somewhat indebted to you. I feel I'm grateful to you. And I would probably be willing to do almost anything for you to feel like I paid you back or given back to you. And so I think that's where we can, I think we can just there's a great book out there called The Go-Giver.
1: Oh, yeah. yeah. I've had uh, Bob Berg before on my yeah. podcast, yeah.
0: Oh, awesome. Do you, li-
1: do you listen to his podcast by any chance? You know
0: what? I don't. I'll. You, I, you're, you're inspiring me to do so now. It
1: is really awesome. It they're, they're not very long. They're less than maybe 30 minutes, but always amazing people on there. So, But great. Anyway, go ahead.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, just, I think that's where – I think we could just do a better job of, of giving and, and maybe – really focusing on having less. Um, I mean that, that, that might even be a theme for life, right? I mean,
1: mm.
0: less vague, you know, less of everything. Yeah. Uh, we, we just are so busy yeah. that human, I mean, our generation, yours and I's, um, we used to play with our neighbors. Uh, we used to, you know, just go over to someone else's house and play for hours. And now it's, Okay, you got 15 minutes because we got to go to your soccer practice, and then we got to go to your dance thing, and then we got to do this. And then I've got six hours still of work to do on my computer before I go to bed. And then I got to wake up at five o'clock in the morning and we got to go, 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 go. Yeah. Where in there is time? I mean, I, I guess I look back on my life very fondly because I can sit here to, and tell you right now of, of several friends that I had as a child. Definitely, I have had friends for the last 20 years who I intentionally connect with on a weekly, almost daily basis. And does that mean that I have time for hundreds of friends? Yeah, that's exactly what it means. I don't have time for hundreds and hundreds of intimate, you know, authentic relationships. But boy, I I, I value immensely the relationships that I do have and that I can count on.
1: Yeah, I recently moved. I had a, we had a beautiful home, you know, big acreage. And I didn't realize until, I mean, we just decided, okay, we want to travel more. We want to do more with our kids. Let's scale down our lives so that we can, you know, afford to do that type of thing. And I didn't realize until I walked away from that house, what a burden that place was to me. <laughs> I mean when I came oh. moved to my little house in town that takes me 10 minutes to mow the yard and I mean I all of a sudden I felt that freedom that I used to feel like I felt like a prisoner <laughs> I, you know I, and it was a beautiful place and anyone that went there would go wow she they they've really arrived you know they have the american dream but it wasn't yeah. until I moved into an old you know, whatever tiny house that I really felt the freedom. And I wake up now feeling happy, which I, I mean, I thought I was happy. You know what I mean? i never thought my life was bad. I never thought things were bad until you do. You simplify, you go down to those few friends that you have and really have those great relationships. I think it's just so much more lasting than the big grand, you know, how many of our followers or whatever that you yeah. need. Yeah.
0: Oh, I mean, I, I have a similar story in the sense of my second wife and I, we, we had a beautiful home and the, the basement was unfinished. We didn't need it. Um, we every every, you know, there were she had three kids and they each had their own room and and we, we lived on two floors. And we were tight. We, I mean, not tight in that the space was tight, but we were just connected and you kind of could hear what people were doing. And we gathered around the kitchen table and, and then we, we made what I think ultimately ended up being a fatal mistake. We finished the basement and her, and her oldest, uh, her son moved downstairs and we just, we disconnected, we disconnected as a family. And cause we, the, the space got so distant and, and, I, you know, and I'm not I'm not here to place blame, but I just think we ought to be really conscientious of the the things we buy and how big we're getting in this world. And and man, I'm I'm a big follower of actually the guys that do the minimalist podcast <laughs> yeah, books, yeah. And so forth and so on. And 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 they do. They talk about oftentimes not just being minimalist in the things you have or the the size of home, but just in your life. And um, And and I, and I'm a big believer I'm bought in. I mean, it's not that I'm obviously I'm going after big things and trying to make change in the world, but, um, but I, I don't need lots of things. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, a def, definitely a depth to it for sure. So, well, we've heard about your app and some of those types of things, but what are some long-term goals that you have for this uh, movement and how is it working into the legacy that you hope to leave? You know, that if you're underneath that white sheet. <laughs> yeah, you. no,
0: thank you. I mean, the, the irony behind it is um, I actually have a plan to evolve this company into something i had thought of you know quite a bit before creating connect 52 and that is before i die i want to help change the divorce rate in this country Um, and i have just a random number it doesn't mean anything but i i set a goal to change the divorce rate in this country by four percent before i die and connect 52 is kind of a big part of that and um and I, I have a plan. I have a strategy. I, and, and it is a it's a big goal of mine. I'll be disappointed if I'm under the white sheet before that happens. But uh, it it does start with Connect 52. And so Connect 52, um, quite honestly, the one of the other big reason why we're making it free is because I just I I desire people to have the experience that I ended up having with my family. And I think if other families can have that and that feeling that, um, connection can change in other people's families and we can do it one family at a time that quite literally we can, uh, we can change this world. So I, I, really do call it a revolution in human connection. Um, we are, we are playing around with the concept of that. This is the death of social media. Do I think that social media will ever die? No, but do I think that we can create an, an a, a place in which people are attracted to connecting vulnerably and authentically. And maybe that's something that needs to be said is that the groups that I create, the software that's being created, the groups are private. Uh, this isn't about sharing only your successes and sharing only the great things that happen in your life like we tend to do on social media. This is a thing where we are to share our, uh, our vulnerabilities and our humanity and so, yeah, the, the vision is to really get this in the hands of every human being, uh, one way or another, and then to also get this into the hands of culture gurus, companies, um, and and help change the the culture out there in the the in uh, the working world, if you will, the business world. Um, and then ultimately, what I'd like to do is. Uh, The the goal after that is I would like to ensure families. I have an opportunity in the future where I would like to ensure your success. And that isn't to say that I think that everyone will succeed or it's not even to say that divorce is bad. Divorce has its place in the world. But unfortunately, um, we are the, the foundation of this world, the foundation of our economy, the foundation of everything. Let's face it. It goes back to the family. And we're not doing well.
1: Mm, yeah. We, yeah.
0: We, we are struggling hard. I mean, I, I I see time and time again in this political world where we're trying to solve the world's problems by fixing, oh, the real estate market or the housing crisis or, or the, the oh man, if, if we can just fix this, um, um, this insurance situation, then things will be better. And, and I, I, I just gotta say, until we really fix the family crisis uh, and this connection crisis, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't see a lot of change. I don't see a lot of, and I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here, or, or you know, I'm not, that's not me. Uh, I'm one of the most positive people you'll ever meet, and and that's I guess that's why I went to work. I, I'm like Van Phillips. Um, I think our legs have been cut off, and I just want to keep asking questions until we figure it out.
1: Yeah, well, and pretty much every social ill there is can be tied back to dysfunction in the family, and I... I really feel like we're getting there. Um, You know, when Facebook first started, I know it was kind of a platform that just like show your best type of thing. But I have noticed it it almost became almost a cynical thing for people like, oh, yeah, get on Facebook, find out how fabulous everybody's life is. I have noticed that people are being a lot more real about who they are and not just putting, you know, the Pinterest type picture up that we realize that not everybody's life, you know, is this complete. I mean, everybody has some messed up part of their life and people are being a lot more vulnerable and I think your direction of moving this to help us have better relationships is going to be so critical in the future and I I feel like that's kind of where we have to head to be able to continue to see success as a society for sure so I love it do you have any maybe final parting words for our listeners and then give us your contact information where we can find out more about Connect 52
0: yeah I mean it's, this is probably a repeat, but my my again my heartfelt invitation is for you to just go out and and with what, with whatever group with whatever person be be it one person be it that server at the restaurant um, be it your family be it your spouse just pick somebody pick a group and just commit. To connecting with them on a more vulnerable level, uh, letting them know how much they mean to you, letting them know how much you care. Um, man, ask eventually ask that question of what is it like to be you, and just take a nice long walk in in their shoes, and and that's that's it. It is not hard, but I've always said that if Connect Fifty Two, the software, the app, the the thing of asking questions and answering them doesn't drive you to want to kind of physically connect. Um, great story is that my little sister who's eight years younger than me, Melanie, um, I would have told you that before we started connect 52 that, you know, I loved her and that we were friends and that, you know, she was, I thought we were connected and then we, we did this and just a few months into it. She ended up coming and visiting me for her birthday in New York. And and then a year and a half into it, I ended up getting on an airplane and surprising her for Halloween, her favorite holiday, by just showing up on her door, all dressed up, ready to go. And we now I just barely went and visited her for Mother's Day. And uh, we we probably get together a couple of times a year. and, And she lives in Colorado. It's not like I just drive down the street to visit her but we probably talk multiple times a week on the phone now and it's great. It's changed my life. You know, so did, did that happen with every single one of my siblings? No, that didn't. But the mere fact that it happened with one is in my book, a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's why I say, just find your group, find your person, find that person that you just want to connect with and, and, Invite them invite them to invite them to a new possibility and then commit And then get really get curious and ask questions and get vulnerable with your answers The more vulnerable you'll get uh, you get the more vulnerable they will get and so that is it Um, As far as how you can get in touch with me um, You can go to connect 52.com you can connect with me on facebook either at connect 52 um, or Instagram or just my personal page pages. Uh, my name is Craig Oborn and, uh, or if, if you want, you can give me a call. Uh, cause I do like to connect. So my number is eight zero one eight six four three, four seven two. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to connecting, uh, to all of you, maybe not in that real intimate way that I like to with, uh, just a small group, but I, I do. I care passionately about this and look to create a revolution in human connection. So thank you so much for this opportunity to spread the word and spread that revolution out there. And, and thank you very much. I'm, so grateful.
1: That's awesome. Well, and to talk about vulnerability, you know, give out the phone number. <laughs> that is that is pretty awesome. <laughs> well, and I've really enjoyed talking to you. We've gone way over. This is going to be a long podcast, but I think it's going to really be worth it. Um, I really feel like this is so necessary. Um, Again, we've been speaking with sought-out TEDx speaker and business consultant Ted Oborn about Connection. You can find his information at connect52.com. And actually, I just got on. He's got, like, his favorite questions and stuff like that. I mean, it's really kind of a fun, a lot of great articles on there. He's got another thing. I just signed up for his newsletter. So what do you send out with the newsletter?
0: Um, The newsletter will have articles typically mostly content that we curate, but then sometimes, uh, I mean, obviously there's just lots of people out there doing some amazing things. And I just, I like to be a resource. Like if you had to Mm -hmm. not Mm -hmm. go anywhere else in the world for anything about human connection, ultimately you should be able to get it from me and from connect 52. So
1: that's awesome. Again, his website is connect52.com. We're going to be sure to link all the information, Facebook page and Instagram, all that on our website as well. But thank you so much, Craig, for joining us and helping to light our minds on fire on this really important topic of human connection. I appreciate it.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. Music featured in this episode from Scott Holmes. To learn more about our podcast, check us out at theluminousmind.net.